Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And obviously, we are still reeling. The sports world still reeling from the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant and his teenage daughter. And just the lasting impact and the lasting image you have of Kobe being one of the all-time greats. Going about it in such a super fiery, competitive manner. I figured it'd be a good opportunity to bring in a guy who goes way back with Kobe Bryant, who was following Kobe Bryant through the early days when he was playing at Lower Marion High School right outside of Philadelphia, the king of recruiting back in the day, and now he's the king of New Orleans, our main man, Scott Alexander of Primetime Sports. Hi, Scotty. What's going on, man? I mean, JJ, three, three appearances on your show in less than three weeks? I mean, I'm getting spoiled over here. Scotty, listen, you have to bring on certain people who know exactly what is going on. And when you talk about Kobe Bryant, you go way back with Kobe. You go back to a time where Kobe Bryant was this stud out of high school. He was this guy coming onto the scene, bursting onto the scene. What do you remember specifically about teenage Kobe Bryant as he was making that rise and was going through the process of deciding whether or not he was going to go into the NBA or, dare I say, play a freshman year at a college somewhere? I have a little bit of a unique perspective on this, only because uh, the show that I used to do in Atlanta before I was producing Braves games on a regular basis, they wanted me to get some experience. They wanted me to start producing this uh, this recruiting show, which was more of a, a regional thing, way before ESPN made it nauseating. But they did a 20-week series in football. And, you know, being from New Orleans originally, I was in Atlanta. I, my big splash was I could get Peyton Manning on when he was a senior at Newman High School in New Orleans. And we did. And from that, we had like two years of just, you know, great athletes coming out in 94, 95. Jamal Lewis, the great running back for the Ravens, played at Tennessee. And just a bunch of players like that. But they said, man, you love basketball. Why don't we do a basketball show? And I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to do a 20-week series. I was just producing it. I, I didn't know who to get as a host. Um, the football is this person. So they said, we want you to host it. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've never been on air. I don't know about that. But I said, we'll do a one-time shot in 96. And they said, only if you can get the best. And I said, well, I know a little bit about Kobe Bryant. I go to the camps in the summer. Would that be good enough? And a couple of the people didn't even know who he was because uh, he's in high school. You know, he's from Philadelphia. But I ended up getting him on the show, and I wasn't very good. And this show ended up being a 20-week series. For the next eight, nine years, guys like LeBron James and Chris Paul, Zach Randolph, we had the best of the best each year. But I got to know him for a couple days then, and I got to see him throughout his career because I became Craig Sager's producer. But let me just say when I saw him in 1996, an incredible raw talent. Uh, besides that, as a human being, I, he, had, he, he was so comfortable around adults that are three times his age. At that time, I'm two times his age. Uh, not even that. I'm like 31 at the time. He's I guess he's 17, 18. But... I, jo I joked around saying his dad was on one of my favorite teams of all time, the, the Sixers of the late 70s. 
with Dr. J, George McGinnis, Doug Collins, moving on. And I said, well, he ended up playing in Italy uh, late in his career. Do you speak Italian? Just joking. I was like, he probably knows a couple words. I know he wasn't there more than a year. So he went into some fluent Italian, like right on the set, just having fun. And I, the only reason I know he wasn't just making up words is because I lived in France for a year about four years earlier. And I'm like, wow, you actually do speak Italian. He goes, I speak Spanish too. And I'm laughing because I was like, just expecting this to be some knucklehead high school kid. I know he's famous dad, but, and he just turned out to be like a, a young Renaissance man, even at that age. And, and we've seen the hard, hard edge Kobe as a player. We've seen, you know, he's had some marks on his career. We know, we know about the, you know, the things that, that didn't go well in his way, but the Kobe, I think you're seeing why everybody's crying today and why he affected so many people is not just the basketball player, Kobe, the way he touched lives. And I can remember years later, like in 2002, when LeBron James was just a junior in high school, we never had juniors, but he was already on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I'm like laughing because LeBron's body already looked like Michael Jordan's when he was 30, and he was only 17. But he got a call, and it just said KB. And I was joking. I said, well, that's obviously not Kobe Bryant. He goes, actually, it is. And this was a flip phone back in the day. Put him on speaker. I'm like, uh, Kobe. I said, you remember – being on that show in Atlanta, he goes, he goes, uh, what do you call it? He goes, uh, countdown of Sunday. He goes, well, LeBron just called you from that same set you're on. And it's funny. He goes, LeBron, that was my first interview ever nationally. And, and, and uh, LeBron said, it's mine too. So it just became a little bit of a kinship. But Kobe is just a, besides the, like, you know, the champion, besides the guy that got tired of playing second field to Shaq, you know, the stories about how competitive he is, almost like Michael Jordan. This guy is one of the smartest human beings I've seen in the National Basketball Association, and I would have no doubt that he might have been even a commissioner, uh, certainly an owner, but he, maybe even a commissioner because he liked the politics side of sports, not just sitting back in a suite kind of thing. So we're, we just lost a great one, and not just in sports, but also uh, just globally. I mean, he's one of the first global athletes there was in basketball, and and uh, it's just a sad, sad day for all of us. I think that was very well said, Scotty, and – Knowing young Kobe Bryant, seeing the edge and this fiery competitive demeanor that he brought to the basketball floor, when was the first time meeting him where you're like, man, this guy, not only is he well-versed, not only is he this renaissance man with these Italian ties who can speak a bunch of different languages, when did you get the sense, Scotty, oh my goodness, this guy's an assassin on the court? Well, you have to realize this is exactly the same year I, I, I was producing the Bulls 72-10 and 10 season with Sager. So I got to see firsthand for the first time what an assassin Jordan was because this was kind of a break during the playoffs. You know, we, we did the first round against, you know, the, the Bulls played the, uh, the Heat with morning, and then they played the Knicks. And I think this was around that time before they played and, and swept the Magic with Shaq before they ended up beating uh, the Sonics. But I was telling Kobe about that run, and he's like, man, Craig Sager, it's my dream to be interviewed by him one day. But he stopped me right then. He goes, guess who I'm bringing my prom next week? Monica. That's what I knew. This dude, he's competitive in every way. He goes, nobody else is bringing somebody like Monica to the prom. And I said, this guy's got all the edge that Jordan has. And, uh, and sure enough, he's in practice. You hear the stories, you know. Like, I crossed him in practice. He punched him in the face, just like uh, Jordan did with Steve Kerr. Um, he was a competitive person, and if you didn't live up to his standard of competitiveness and, and keeping yourself in shape and doing the right things, he was going to let you know about it, and it might not even be in the, the most kind fashion. Scotty, I think back to my years of watching Kobe Bryant. I have to admit, when he was playing alongside Shaquille O'Neal, I couldn't stand those Laker teams. They were just too damn good. 
They dominated the sport. They win the three straight NBA titles. And I always found myself rooting against Shaq and especially rooting against Kobe. And then you think about the low point of his life, what happened in Colorado, all of the murky details, Shaquille O'Neal finding his way to the Miami Heat. And I would say, Scotty, from that point forward, Kobe Bryant had one of the great reclamation projects that we've ever seen in this country's history, being the lead dog, being this guy that the young players could turn to, being this role model for his daughters, being a much better husband. Did you notice that over the years with Kobe, this like transformation of this guy who was very cocky, confident, stud player, humbled, and then came back to be this like great ambassador to the NBA over the final years of his career? It was important for him, not just for his legacy, but for, important for him as a a player to be be respected. And it's kind of almost like what Kyrie was doing with LeBron. You know, didn't want to be second fiddle. We all knew that Shaq was the alpha dog on that team. Kobe was younger, remember. I, I mean, he came out of high school, but even in 96 is when he came out. By the time he was 2000, he's still only 22 years old when they won that first title. And everybody thought it was Shaq's team. I'm going to give you a quick, quick little thing. I don't know if you remember a guy named Brock Berlin, player of the year in football, uh, quarterback. He happened to be on my show. The only, In fact, the only athlete that's ever been on twice in high school that I didn't bring juniors on with him and LeBron James. He ended up going to Florida, Spurrier left, so he ended up going to the Miami Hurricanes, started in the Orange Bowl and won. But long story short, as he came, we did a wrap-up show. We did 20, 20 weeks, like I told you, of the show, and on signing day, he was on the big one. Brought him to a Lakers game after that. Newton, I've known Shaq for years through our days at LSU, and I went down to the locker room uh, and brought Brock, and I said, Shaq, I want you to meet somebody. His name's Brock Berlin, thinking you'd never know who he was. He goes, Brock Berlin? He goes, the player of the year, and Kobe goes, wait, is that really Brock Berlin? And Kobe ran over, and Brock Berlin starstruck. He's like, no way these guys know my name. You must have put them up to it. But Kobe heard Shaq act surprised, and Shaq actually was because he does read the paper, and he says, this guy's USA Today player of the year in football. Of course I know him. Well, Kobe jumps in and says, he ran over from his locker and says, can I get a picture with you, Brock Berlin? And he was the one that was that was joking, but he, he just wanted to make Brock feel good. I told uh Shaq, that you're not his favorite player, Kobe is. And I just saw the growth from that point. And then obviously the rape happened not long after. Let me say alleged. But I caught a lot of grief because I became an agent right when that rape was going on. And, and I took up for the victim in a big meeting in New York with all the other experienced agents. And I kind of got, not blackballed, but I kind of got chastised. But I was down on Kobe for a bit. And I watched him turn not just his life around, but his entire career. You know how we all laughed about that $5 million ring, whatever it was, that he gave his wife? That's probably the best thing he ever did because, listen, he got on the street narrow, and some people talk the talk but don't walk the walk. This guy walked the walk, and he was the kind of guy that didn't have to be in a group. If you were one-on-one with him after a game, he would not turn you down an interview no matter how small you were as long as he had a little time. And I saw him do it with, with guys that were new in the business, um, and that's the Kobe nobody knows, you know, when, uh, you know, everybody can see him in the, what they call the gangbang interview when you got 15, 20, 25 people around the locker. But when things got calm and everybody went to Shaq or everybody might've gone over to, you know, let's just say Pal Gasol later in the career, he'd be one-on-one and nobody wanted to approach him because he knew he wanted to leave. But if you went to him and said, Hey, can I just get five minutes? He would do it every single time. And that's the Kobe that people don't realize because everybody thinks he's this hard-edged guy, no nonsense, no business. He's actually fun to be around. 
away from the game. He's uh, one of the most read guys, one of the most uh, intelligent guys, one of the most witty guys. I mean, and then the daughter thing, every time I look at that little video of him at the Hawks game talking to Gigi, his daughter, about it makes me break up and cry because that's the side that I'm glad people are finally seeing about him that everybody in the game game knows he's about. And I really do feel this guy could have been a commissioner. He could have, honestly, the sky was the limit. I don't want to say president, but he could have been a president. I mean, this is the kind of person he is, and he's not like going to take sides. He's a reasonable human being. And like I said once again, I cried that eight times yesterday and about two or three today, and I don't really cry much over athletes. i got to tell you, I'm a little bit jaded in some ways, but we lost a a true legend right there. Scotty Alexander, Primetime Sports, one of our great correspondents down in New Orleans who had a chance to have some very interesting interactions in the early days of Kobe Bryant's career. And, Scotty, working all those years alongside Craig Sager, you covered the height of the Shaq and Kobe madness when they were winning three titles. From when you were around, what was the sense of the vibe you got between those two megastars? It was Total love and respect in the beginning of that run. And then um, by year three of it, it was weird. It was a weird vibe. And by then, I'd kind of I'd kind of moved on from Craig because I did, I did 96 through 98 with Jordan, like every game. And then I did the two, two things with uh, the Lakers for the first year. The third one, um, I only did a couple of them. And I just saw a different vibe. It was just bizarre. I said, what happened? Because, you know, Shaq's L.A. shoot. Shaq's Dale Brown. I've known Shaq for a long, long time. He goes, Kobe, Kobe just wants to be the star. He's trying to move me out. And I'm like, that's stupid talk. And this is on the side, which at that time nobody knew. And I didn't say it back then. But then you saw a year or two later, Shaq would come in out of shape and Kobe was calling him out publicly. It's like there's some things you don't do in the NBA, and that's one of them. I mean, it might not be as worse as what, what uh, D'Angelo Russell did with Swaggy P in the locker room, but you don't. You don't bite the big man, especially when he's done so much for your career. So it got a little bit weird, but I think the affection in the last several years when they made up was, was genuine, and I know it was certainly when Kobe retired till now. But I know it was tenuous there from, say, 06 when Shaq got that fourth title and he's, you know you saw the raps and all that stuff. That, that was real and that was bad. Uh, but thank goodness they came together and made up like true men they are. Because they're both great guys. They really, really are. And I know Shaq a hell of a lot better than I know Kobe. And I can tell you Shaq is a great human being. And he hated that in the back of his mind that there was a guy out there that really didn't like him. Because he's, he's kind of – I think LeBron's the same way. You know, he can say all he wants. But we all want to be liked. Uh, I don't think Kobe necessarily cares as much. But I'm glad that they came back together because uh, those two together – did something special for three years in in Los Angeles that we're not going to see too many more times. All right, Scotty, before we get you out of here, on a much lighter note, Super Bowl Sunday, can't wait for the game. Got a terrific matchup with the Niners and their defense, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Who is going to be holding up this year's Lombardi Trophy? That is such a great question. You know, everybody asks me that, and I I mean, never, I haven't answered it publicly, just in offices and stuff. And My weird thing is we all want the Chiefs to win, right? They're exciting, and we want to watch them. And I want the Niners to lose because they used to beat our brains out for years when they were in our division with the Rams and Falcons before they had the realignment. But I keep thinking the way they play defense, I just it's hard for me to pick against against that 49ers team. I don't even know who's favorite. I haven't even looked at the line. Um, and I certainly would love to see the Chiefs win. But if you had a gun to my head right now, I got to tell you, it could go either way, and it's pretty much a toss-up. But if I have to pick one, I got to go with the defense and ball control because, my goodness, 
the San Francisco 49ers are very, very tough. That's old-school football team right there. And as they showed in that Saints game when they won 48-46, if they have to, trust me, they can air it out a bit as well. Scotty Alexander, the outstanding host, primetime sports, uh, New Orleans correspondent, and he's he's here, he's there, he's everywhere. Scotty, appreciate some wonderful thoughts there on Kobe Bryant. We will catch up soon, my friend. You have a wonderful week, all right? Always great with you, JJ. I appreciate it, my friend. There you have it, the great Scott Alexander. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.